a hand. You got out of bed this morning. You deserve a round of applause. Come on. You deserve it. That's right. We celebrate everything that the rest of you We celebrate you getting out of bed. We celebrate Marvel Comics, obviously. Um, because we think you got everything. What, what else can you do? Uh, you can listen to us about that stuff. So uh, we allow them to do that. Um, and it's going to be awesome. What's so cool about it is uh, so we have Acid Movie after Bumper Street. So they're promoting Bumper Street this morning. so much for being here today. Um, some of you may be asking the question, what happened to that whole football game thing that was going to happen this week? Because uh, we, uh, we gave money to support um, an inflatable thing at a football game. I know a lot of what's going on getting dressed. And, um, but today, uh, they decided, the Winnipeg football decided to postpone it to next Sunday. And so we are going to be doing that next Sunday at the beginning of our action movie anyway, uh, because the community is more important than what we have going on here, to be honest. Um, I believe that we have to be willing to do whatever is necessary to reach people. And I believe that this service this morning will reach some people. I hope that it does. However, getting them here so that they can be reached is really important. And, and, and it's not just limited to people can be reached beyond these walls. People will be reached beyond these walls. So we have to be willing to go places, to do things, and to sometimes surrender a few people to go stand at some inflatables to invite people in. And so that's what we're going to do next Sunday. Um, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be awesome because we'll be inviting them to at the movie for this the entire month of November, uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We're in a series right now called There Is a Cloud, and it's it's a little bit more of a um, of a of a series geared towards Christians, really, to be honest, because um, at the movies isn't geared towards Christians. At the movies is geared towards people that need Jesus. Jesus, when he walked this earth, told parables in order to, to reach people. And today we have modern day parables that are movies that we can use to tell the gospel. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next four weeks after today. But today we're in a series called At the Movies. Also, our calls, There is a Cloud. I've got At the Movies on the mind. Next Sunday is also our My Refuge, um, the beginning of, of My Refuge, week one. If you've been coming to the Refuge Church, or maybe you're looking at the Refuge Church and wanting to be a part, more a part of what we do here, um, my refuge is the place to go to make my refuge, the Refuge Church your home. That's why we call it my refuge. And um, we meet at 11:45, um, the first, second, and third Sunday of every month. Um, for for that, if you're interested in making the Refuge Church your home, my refuge is the pathway. Today we're in the finale of There is a Cloud, um, and, and God just so happened to help me out a little bit this morning with the rain, uh, and I, 
thank him for that. Um, but week one, we started talking about, there is a cloud by uh, talking about the cloud of special strength. And um, we're studying this guy by the name of Elijah that's found in 1 Kings. Uh, the story is 17, 18, and 19. Um, you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings if you want to. We're going to be in chapter 19, or you can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app if you're um, if you're a digital person. Um, the, the screen behind me tells you exactly how to get there. It's a little uh, difficult, but um, if you have a smartphone device or a device that you're reading the app, the, the notes on it anyway, you probably know how to get there. So um, you can follow along with all of today's notes. Also on the back of your worship guide, there is a place for you to write down notes. I hope that you would uh, write down notes this morning. So week one, I said... I said we talked about special strength. We talked about enduring strength week one. Um, and as we talked about Elijah, we sa- one of the things that we said was that he had to endure obstacles to get him to this really big moment where he stood up to 450 prophets of this God by the name of Baal. And he stood up to them in this moment. And then after that, he goes to his servant and he says to his servant, Seven times, I, I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Go and look to the sea and see if there's a storm coming. And seven times they took his servant who doesn't have a name. And I talked about how week one, I believe that there are people in the Bible that don't have names so that we can put our names in their place. And, and so Elijah tells his, his servant to go look seven times. And finally on the seventh time, he sees just a, a hand, the, 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 a cloud the size of a man's hand is coming. And he goes back to Elijah and he says, I saw a cloud the size of a man, hand, man's hand. And Elijah looks at this guy by the name of Ahab and he says, you better get on this chariot and go home because if you don't, you're going to get stopped by this rain that's coming. And then the Bible says that God gave Elijah special strength to run out in front of the chariot and run out in front of the horses. And last week, we talked about special strength. I invited my friend, Pastor Mark McKesson, from Connect Church here. And he, because Connect Church has invited us to be a part of this incredible organization called One Child. And um, sponsors children in the Dominican Republic that don't have everything that we have. And so for $39 a month, you can sponsor a child. I am happy to report that we have sponsored 34 children in the Dominican Republic. 34 is incredible for a church that's three years old. And um, there are there are uh, 16 more available to, uh, sorry, 15 more available to be um, sponsored. So um, if you didn't have the opportunity to stop by the table last week, or, um, or maybe you weren't here um, and you want to still sponsor a child, you can still sponsor a child uh, this morning and then uh, through the month of November. Um, but after that, we're going to have to get these kids sponsored because um, they all need sponsored. There's, there's 49 total. I believe that we can do that. Don't you? Don't you? I believe that we can do that. So, um, so just 15 more to, to sponsor, and they're, they're in the back on the table. Just do us a favor. If you look at one, do not walk off with it without filling out the information slip. Um, because if that happens, then uh, we, and 
we don't know about it, then um, that kid doesn't get sponsored. And um, that, that really should be good. So um, you're welcome to, to do that this morning. Today we're talking about the cloud of enoughness. The cloud of enoughness. You know, I realize that life happens beyond these walls, and it happens from not not just on Sundays. It happens Monday through Saturday as well. And I know that what happens Monday through through Saturday oftentimes has you feeling like on Sundays like you don't want to be here. Has you feeling like I don't know if I can this morning. And I want you to know this morning that all of our weight our weeks drain us. And and that there is scripture that tells us, that shows us that God is the supplier of strength, that God can give you enough strength to get through your week. And so this morning we're looking at Elijah again, and, and there is a low moment. So the the nature of this this talk uh, has me going back a few weeks just to tell you a little bit about where we're at in the story of Elijah. So the setting is a drought for three years. Um, one of the reasons why we wanted to do There is a Cloud is because the leadership of the Refuge Church believes that there is a mighty cloud of blessing hovering over the Refuge and that we've been around for three years. And it's not that we've been in a drought because we have seen many, many blessings, but we've been around for three years. And in our fourth year, God's about to pour out a mighty rainstorm. This is my warning to you to get to, to buckle your seatbelts, put on your servant boots, and let's get going. Get off your blessed assurance, as my pastor said, and start getting ready for what God is about to do. So my refuge is the path to take to jump in the game and to say, hey, I'm here. I want to be a part of this. And um, and, and that makes sense in this message. The cloud of enough strength. Elijah is in this drought with the children of Israel, with the people of Israel and Judah. Because at this time, the people of Israel had split. They split into this, this, this group known as the Israelites or Israel and, and known as Judah. And there's two different leaders, but, but the villain in our story is a man by the name of Ahab. And his beautiful wife, Jezebel. They are the villains. Our hero is, of course, a man by the name of Elijah. And what happens, and, and what happened a few weeks ago as we talked about it, Elijah went before 450 prophets of Baal. He stands before them. He get, they get two bulls. He allows uh, Ahab and, and Je- Ahab. And, and, who, and the 450 prophets to choose their bowl. He says, you choose your bowl, and I'll take whichever one's left. He took the leftovers off. Like, he took the leftovers. I'm going to start to say, y'all, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. That was a trick. Every once in a while, if you're new here, every once in a while, I'll accidentally say y'all because um, we are a part of an organization called ARC that has its base in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And so um, a lot of the people down there say y'all, and a lot 
By this time tomorrow, I have not killed you just as you killed them. Now hold up. She threatened Elijah with the gods that he had already seen defeated. She said, may the gods that you've already proven can't do anything to her. May they strike you down. She didn't say, may your God strike me down. She wasn't, she wasn't about to dare the God that you just saw do what you just did. But Elijah, so, so the point is that Elijah should not feel anything threatened at this point. He shouldn't feel a threat at all. Because she's threatened with the gods that he's already seen defeated. Can I just say real quick? This isn't in my notes. Satan will use things in your life that you have already seen defeated if you allow him to. If, if they're defeated already, if you've already seen God's provision, know that he'll provide again. Don't let Satan use things from your past that God has already defeated. But you'll see that Elijah, Elijah, verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He was afraid of gods that he had already defeated. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. And he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness. Traveling all day, he sat down under a solitary broom tree, which is a juniper tree. And he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. For I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Notice, Elijah goes to Judah. He didn't go to a town in Israel. He went to a town in Judah because Ahab is the king of Israel. So he is running for his life. He is running to get away from Ahab as far away as possible. And he takes his servant with him to Judah, and he says to his servant, stay right here. I'm going to go to the wilderness. He wanted to go to the wilderness alone. He left his, the only help that he had, he left it to go, to, to go out and to be in the wilderness alone. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear me this morning, and that is that isolation is a very bad place to be. Alone is a very bad place to be. And Satan will convince you, he will convince you that you are better off alone. Mental health is a very serious disease. Depression is a very serious disease. Mental health is real. And the church doesn't talk about mental illness like it should. I think we, we run from it. 
I don't, I, I want you to hear me loud. I, I don't want to minimize mental illness this morning. I, I never, and I, and I believe that the reason the church has skirted away from it is because they never want to minimize it. And so we just don't talk about it. But the fact of the matter is it is very, very real. And the possibility of, of numerous people battling mental illness in this room is very real. I don't want to minimize it. I believe that Elijah is one of the only people that we see in the Bible that battles depression. He's, he's facing his depression right here in this moment under this, under this dream of his. says, God, take my life. And, and, and I've, I've heard some theologians and some scholars that have tried to minimize that. I don't, I don't want to minimize it. I believe he was depressed. So this morning, I want to give you some, some resources that are on the screen behind me that I want you to write down. Put it in your phone. Put it as a contact in your phone if you have to. The, the, the suicide prevention hotline, 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. If you prefer to text your young, young uh, people, your, your, your millennials, if you'd if you rather text, I love it. I found a resource this week that you can text TALK to 741741, and someone will text you back to tell you that you're not alone. But ladies and gentlemen, this is also why we have small groups. So that you can call your small group leader and say, hey, I'm, I'm in a bad place. I need some friends. Will you, will you come and see me or will you send someone over here so that I don't hurt myself? Like, like this is why the body of Christ exists to show you that you don't have to live in isolation. I'll... I'll give you these resources because I believe that they help. But they're not the answer. The answer is, is in here, ladies and gentlemen. Small groups exist so that you don't have to live in isolation. We try to do everything we can to have a system for things in life that we give you. We believe that you should know God. This morning is, is hopefully helps you know God better. Our weekend services are, are where you can know God. We, we, we want you to find freedom or, or to, to live free, we say. We want you to live in freedom. You do that in small groups. This is why we have leaders in place to help you so that you don't have to feel isolated, so that you can know that you're free from your isolation. We want you to discover your purpose. Next week in My Refuge, or My Refuge we talk about finding our purpose, finding discovering our purpose so that we can eventually leave an impact in this world. I believe that we all want to leave an impact in this world. Do you want to leave an impact in this world? Yes. Yes. We want to leave an impact in this world. So we offer um, so, so we offer the dream team to get, get involved and get, get, get on a team that you can be a part of something bigger than you are. When you find, when, when you're a part of something bigger than you, you, you avoid isolation.
isolation pretty well. Because now you don't just have a small group, but you actually have a team that you can call. You have people that are, that are in the trenches with you. And that's why we exist. So, so Elijah, he's in bad shape at this point. He thought his life was over. God, kill me, please. I'm, I'd be better off dead. Anybody ever been there? Am I the only one? We've all been there. We've all been to a point where, where we just, we're just in a bad place. My, my sophomore year of high school, many of you know I went to four high schools in three years in three different states. My sophomore year of high school, I was in my third high school in, th- in my third state. My dad was a, was a minister, and I started high school in Illinois. We moved to Kentucky, and I went back to Illinois again. Or, I'm sorry, I went, I went to Indiana, and then back to Illinois. I went to so many states, I can't even keep straight. And while I was in Indiana, my sophomore year of high school, I played on the football team, but what happened was I started skipping football practice and going straight home so I could go to school. I found myself very, very tired. I was, I was asleep um, at home. When I got home from school, they would wake me. My mom and dad would wake me up for dinner. I would, I would wake up and I would eat dinner, and then I would go back and lay down again for, for the next morning. I was tired. My mom said, "Well, maybe you have mono." My mom was a nurse. She said, "Maybe you have mono." So she took us. She took us to the to the doctor. Doctor ran all the tests for mono and drew my blood and everything. And he goes, well, you seem fairly like normal. Are you depressed? And I said, I'm 17 years old. I have my whole life ahead of me. Why would I be depressed? <laughs> well, if you're not depressed and you don't have mono, there's this new disease we recently found that's called chronic fatigue syndrome. Maybe you have chronic fatigue syndrome. But he said, thing is, there's no cure for chronic fatigue syndrome. Well, what do you think? I'm happy to report I no longer go home and go to sleep until the whole time. I am awake. I'm alive. I'm still alive. So the only conclusion is I was in a, a, a state of depression when I was 17. And I'm not, again, I'm not minimizing depression. I, I know that there are much much worse symptoms for depression than just being tired. But I was extremely tired. And so I believe this is one reason why why I believe that Elijah was in a state of depression. He's tired. You'll see, you'll see again that he's that he's tired. So in verse seven it says this. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead of you will be too much. So he got up and he drank, and the food gave him enough strength, say enough strength, to travel for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. The bread and the water for Elijah was enough to sustain him for 40 days 40 nights of travel. 
So he travels to this place called Mount Sinai. Does anyone know the significance of Mount Sinai? Mount Sinai is the same mountain that God appeared to Moses on to give him the Ten Commandments. You see, Elijah was in a place that he didn't know much. He didn't know where to go. He didn't know what to do. But he knew that God had showed up at Mount Sinai and then appeared to Moses at Mount Sinai. And so he didn't know a whole lot, but he knew that God was on Mount Sinai. So that's where he went. Now, there's no scripture that shows this is why he went there. I believe this is why he went there. He went to, to, to what he knew. And he finds himself in a cave. He goes to a cave. And sometimes we get to a place where we don't know where to go, but we have to get back to what we know. I want to go back to that for a moment because I want to give you just a few things that we do know that you can write down so that if you're ever in a place where you don't know where to go, you don't know where to turn, you can go. hopefully go back to the, this list. And this is just a list that I came up with. It's not from a, a certain passage, but it's a list that is biblical. Number one, we know that God's word is true. In your moments of darkness, in your moments of not knowing where to go, always start with God's word. Go back to God's word because it is true. Read it, study it, and memorize it. That's why we should memorize it, that we have hidden God's word in our heart, that we may not sin against God. So, Because we have hidden God's word in our heart so that in our bad times we can turn to it. The second thing we know is that we know that Jesus loves us so much that he died for us, that he gave himself up for us so that we can be brought back to God. Get back to God's word. Get back to Jesus. Those are two things. Number three, the third thing that we know is we know that a triple-braided cord is stronger than one. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 12 teaches us that. That two are better than one. Get in relationship with someone that you can call in the times that you don't know what's going on. Number four, we know that God can pull us out of any junk that we find ourselves, if we can find ourselves, find a way to praise Him. God can get us out of any situation if we can find a way to praise. If we find a way to give God glory for what He has already done, then what happens is, is Satan can no longer bring back those things of our past because we know, because we're praising God and we're giving Him the credit for what He's already done, we're praising Him and we know that He's already defeated those gods before us. Number five, we know that our strength, we know that our help comes from God. Psalm 121, 1 through 3 says, I look to the mountains, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So Elijah gets back to where he knows. He gets back to Mount Sinai. 
guess what he does? He goes to the, ca- to the cave. Back in isolation. He goes back to isolation. Ladies and gentlemen, isolation is a habit. And when times get dark and times get bad, it is, it is often, I've seen it happen here at the refuge. Things are getting rough in life. All of a sudden, I start to get out of the relationships that I've started to form because things are bad. I don't want people, maybe it's because I don't want people to see how bad it is. Maybe it's because I'm afraid of what they're going to think of me. But ladies and gentlemen, isolation is a habit, and we have a tendency to go back to being alone when things get rough. But you know what else is a habit? Fellowship is also a habit. Getting getting in, in community with each other, forming friendships, and, and doing life with each other is also a habit. And I need to gravitate towards the habit of fellowship more so than the habit of isolation. Because the habit of fellowship will free you. But the habit habit of isolation will keep you isolated, will keep your secrets to yourself, and it will not do anything to help you. That is why Satan wants to rob you of the fellowship of other believers in your life. It's not about the soccer game that Johnny has to go to today. It's not about the football game. It's not about it's not about sports. It's not about you sports. It's about isolation. It's about keeping you from fellowship. It's nothing against you sports. I, I'm thankful for you sports because you sports taught me so much. That's why we're that's why we're like. I'm putting my money where my mouth is next week, putting the, the inflatables up at, at Wimby Beach to get football. I believe in you sports. But if it robs you from fellowship with other believers, it robs you of the habit that God wants you to form in your life. So, Elijah's in this cave, and God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? I love it. Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah says, God, I have faith. Some of you can identify with this. I have faithfully served you. But your people in Israel have turned their backs on you. I've, I've done everything I can to just get people to follow you. But they turned their backs on you, God. It's not working. He says, it's not working. They've torn down your altar and killed your prophets. Wait a minute. Didn't Elijah just do that with Baal? In the name of God, the living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Didn't he just do that? And he's pointing back to God and he's saying, God, this is what they've done. I am the only one left and Jezebel wants to kill me. And he goes back. Elijah is in a very, very low place, so low that he can't remember what God has done. I've been there. First Kings 19, 11, and 12. God's response, and I could preach on this for weeks. I'm not going to, don't worry. Go out and stand before me on the mountain. 
the Lord told him, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle wind, earthquake, fire. I've heard that before. God wasn't in any of those things. He was in the whisper. He was in the whisper. But, but watch, after Elijah heard the voice of God, watch what he wants to do. Verse 13. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he would have, went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. So, get this right. Already, he's out of the cave because God said, God, God spoke to him. We'll put that in the cave. He says to him in verse, um, he, said, he says that he's going to speak to him, and, and he goes, and his, his temptation is just to always go back to isolation. That's the point. Isolation is a terrible habit. But he has to break it. So what does God say? After the, after the earth went in fire, he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? It's the same question. And guess what? Elijah gives him the same answer. I have faithfully served you. But the people of Israel have turned their backs on me. They've torn down their altars. And there's this woman by the name of Jezebel that wants to kill me. He's in his head. He can't get out of it. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, Go back the same way you came. And travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram. And anoint Jehu, the grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel. Pay attention. And anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, not Snapchat, Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah. To replace you as my prophet. So now God gives uh, Elijah an action to go and to do this. And the first time that I read this, I was like, I'm, I'm not so sure. Like, I'm, I, I'm missing it. So I did what any smart husband would do. I went to my wife. And I said, honey, I'm just, I'm just having a hard time seeing this. That, that this moment changes Elisha for, or Elijah forever because, because he's able to get out of it. He's able to get out of his head after this moment. But I don't know what it is. And he said, she said, Adam, what did, what did God tell him to do? Well, to go and anoint the king and to go anoint the prophet. Oh. She said, Adam, 
Elijah had to anoint his replacement. In other words, Elijah had to surrender what he was doing to God and allow someone else to come in so that he could get out of his head and get on with his ministry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the point of this morning, the big idea is that if you find your place in a low, if you find your, your, if you find yourself in a low place, if you can find a point of surrender, you will get there. Here's one reason why, why the church doesn't, doesn't want to talk about, about mental health, because if, if someone came to me with depression, depression, with thoughts of depression, and, and I told them to just surrender, they would probably punch me in the face, and I wouldn't be a very good counselor. But there has to be some things that, that is done to, to get to the point of surrender. There had to be some things that, was, that were done. Elijah had to hear the whisper so that he could see the surrender. We have to get to a point of saying it's not about us. Elijah had to get to a point where he realized he wasn't the man anymore. And then, I love it, because God's not done with Elijah. Elijah. It's so confusing, isn't it, the Bible? Like, why, why did God replace Elijah with Elisha? It's confusing, that's why. But God's not done with Elijah. You see, there was this man by the name of Naboth that had this vineyard that was right next to Ahab's palace. And Ahab saw the palace, or saw the vineyard, and he said, wouldn't it be awesome if I put a, um, if I put a, a, a garden there? I want that vineyard for, my, for me. And so what, what does Ahab do? He goes and he tells evil Jezebel. And Jezebel looks at him and she goes, aren't you the king of Israel? <laughs> I'm like, man, you are evil. Aren't you the king of Israel? Here. And she's like, here, let me handle it. Send out, this is, this is in your notes if you have them, this is also um, on the screen. But she says, send out all these invitations to, to people and, and, and bring them in and let's Let's make it look like we're we're gonna honor Naboth, but but let's let's get some some scoundrels in the town to to point at him and to say that he isn't honoring God. And like and now all of a sudden she's not talking about the prophets of Baal, but she's talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All of a sudden now she sees what God can do because she knows. That if she can turn Naboth, whoo, that's supposed to be God. I'm about to preach. Come on. She knows if she can turn the people of Israel, she knows if she can turn them against Naboth, that she wins. And what was it that the people of Israel now had finally turned them to, turned to? They had finally turned to the God that 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 had had done the altar thing. So she, she's like, let's, let's make it look like he's dishonored God, and then we'll have an excuse to kill him. 
that's exactly what happens. But who does God send to confront Ahab and Jezebel? Not Elisha, but Elijah. In order to prove to Elijah that he had overcome the thoughts of his head, he sends him back and he says, Elijah, you're the man. Get up and stand, stand before them and tell them they're defeated. That's, that's, the, that's my summary. And he goes, he stands before Ahab, and Ahab goes, I see my enemy has found me. And he goes and he tells them, you're defeated. You're, you're done. And if we fast forward to the end of the story, Ahab and, and Jezebel are both, are both killed. And God was. God always wants to get us to a point of surrender. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It, it doesn't matter the path that it looks to get you to the point of surrender. But I have seen some pretty nasty things to get people to the point of surrender. And my goal is to, to see that no one in this room ever has to experience heartache to get you to the point of surrender. But God is not beyond using heartache to get you to the point of surrender. He made Elijah think that a woman was going to kill him. But Elijah was able to anoint Elisha to be the next prophet because he got to a point of surrendering, saying, all right, God, I'm not the man. I'm not it. I'm, I'm yours question for you this morning is what is it going to take to surrender it all to Jesus? Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Get your stretch on. Do all that. The response is extremely simple whatsoever. Is it going to take this service right here to get you to the point of saying to God that you need him? Or is it going to take something else? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that if you leave here and you don't accept Jesus into your life and you don't surrender it all to him, that something bad's going to happen to you. Please do not hear that this morning. That is not what I am saying. But I am saying that right now in this moment, God is giving you a chance, an opportunity to give it all to him. What are you doing? What are you doing here, Adam? What are you doing here, John? What are you doing here, Susie? What are you doing here? Fill in your name. God is asking you that question right now. What are you doing here? If the answer is anything but surrender, then the answer is wrong. I'm giving it all to you. 
And maybe you've already done that. I understand. I, I went to church my whole life. But I knew that surrender was a weekly decision, was a daily decision. That every morning I get up, I have to die to myself and surrender it all to Jesus and give it all to him. Because the moment I start to try and do it alone, the moment I start to try and do it for me, is the moment I'm off balance. But I know I had to have that moment. When I was a young boy, that I said for the very first time, Jesus, come into my life and save me. If you've never done that this morning, would you do me a favor, just so that I can know where you're at? Would you just slip your hand up in the air and say, that's me, Pastor? I've never given my heart to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I've never given my heart to Jesus, and I know that I need to surrender. Now, everyone else in this room, surrender is a daily habit. Not just isolation and not just fellowship, but surrender is also a habit that we have to do daily. So here's what I want us to do this morning. I want to lead us all in a prayer that we can all say together. And if you're saying it for the first time and you mean it in your heart, I want you to write on your card that you got, that terrible piece of paper. I want you to write on your card, I'm choosing Jesus for the first time. Or maybe it's again, and it means something different this time. Check that one as well. And after we say this prayer together, we're going to clap, we're going to celebrate what God has done, and we're going to sing a song, and then we'll be dismissed. Say this prayer out loud with me, if you would. Say, God, I come before you, and I know that Jesus died so that I could give it all to you. And right now, the best I know how, I give it all to you. Come into my life and save me by the precious blood of Jesus and help me to live for you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Give God a hand, clap of praise today. Come on, come on, come on. Let's sing.